Welcome to the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, a podcast created to inform patients, families, and caregivers about important health transformation topics. Since the 2001 Crossing the Quality Chasm Report by the Institute of Medicine, our nation's healthcare system has recognized its need to improve quality of care by way of six important aims that make healthcare safe, efficient, effective, patient-centered, timely, and equitable. But we cannot hope to cross this chasm and achieve these aims until we make fundamental changes to the whole healthcare system. All levels of this work require dramatic improvements from the patient's experience. So this podcast is dedicated to you, the voices most underutilized resource in healthcare, our patients' voices. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Natasha Washington, president and founder of ATW Health Solutions and sponsor for the Patient Partner Innovation Community. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com. Welcome to Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, and we are happy to have a very special guest with us today. Miss Danielle Jones from AAFP is joining us. Welcome, Danielle. Good morning. Thank you. You're welcome. So we're just going to dive right in because I think your perspective is going to be really refreshing, and I think a lot of people don't really think about diversity and inclusion in the medical society. So, Danielle, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us your role at AAFP, and actually, what is AAFP? So, AAFP is the American Academy of Family Physicians, so it is a national membership organization that represents um, family doctors in 55 chapters in each uh, of the state and uh, U.S. territories, and so recently, within the last three years or so, um, the organization has taken approach to actually embrace diversity, equity, and inclusion into the organization in terms of not only how we operate, but how we engage with members and influence the family medicine field. So my role is I direct the Everyone Project, which is how we brand this work for the organization. That that is great. And I, you know, I remember how I met you, you know, I attended FMX, which is their annual conference and there's all type of sessions um, for their members. And so, you know, I was there speaking for another session about advisory councils and patients and everything. And someone pegged me, one of a, a member was like, Desiree, you need to go to this session. And I was like, okay, you know, I get pulled in many different directions. And then I went, I looked in the program and when I saw the words diversity, I was like, okay, I'm there, you know, cause I'm all about diversity, health equity, inclusion. I said, I've got to see what this is. And so when I got there and I went with a physician that I was co-presenting with, I was blown away because I attend many different medical society conferences. And this is the first one I can honestly say that put that spotlight on diversity, inclusion, and also taking a look at social determinants of health and making it a priority. So I was really, really blown away. So could you tell our listeners about what is the Everyone Project? Yes. So for us, we really focus in on four key areas. So first 
is workforce diversity. Um, you will find an amazing amount of uh, studies that have shown when you have a diverse workforce, it's not just, you know, racial and ethnic diversity, but geographic diversity, um, diversity um, in terms of uh, sexual orientation or identity. Those individuals that uh, represent those identities um, tend to, at a greater rate, go back and practice in those same communities, which are often the highest need uh, areas of practice. And so we, our position is how do we grow and cultivate a diverse and inclusive uh, not just family physician workforce, but a medical workforce in general. Uh, oh, wow. But the flip side of that, we recognize that this is just not work for a few uh, physicians to do. Um, this is an entire approach the specialty needs to take. So how can we contribute to the education and training of all of our members around diversity, equity, and inclusion so that they can take that approach in, the, in their clinical care settings. Um, second priority for us is around advocacy. So uh, we recognize that healthy policies create healthy communities, which create healthy individuals. When you make the community healthy, um, the downstream outcomes is that you have people that have access to uh, walkable spaces, green and healthy fruits and vegetables, uh, education, housing, all those factors support a healthy lifestyle and habit. So how can we, uh, as a national organization with influence um, at local, state, and federal levels, influence the development and implementation of those types of policies? And how can we get engaged our members around also doing that in their local communities? Uh, a third that. approach for us that. is around uh, providing education and practice tools. So um, there are a lot of physicians who are faced with having to um, address a patient's social determinants of health um, before they can even get to the conversation about their diabetes or their COPD. So how can we educate our members and provide them with the tools they need to actually address those social determinants uh, in the clinical practice? So we talk a lot about social determinants um, screening and how do you um, transform your practice to be able to actually collect that information and uh, use it in a way that's useful to both the practice and the patient, whether it's referring them out to um, certain social services that are in the community uh, or around, you know, how does the practice actually partner with some of those organizations so that they can have that warm handoff. Um, providing them with, with some resources around that has really been uh, our biggest focus for like the last maybe two years. And so that has really been embraced uh, by our membership as a, a top priority for them in the clinical setting. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, we talk about interdisciplinary collaboration. So uh, that this is just not physicians addressing these issues, um, that there are partnerships that can be uh, developed locally and even on larger scales when we talk about partnering with um, teachers or if we're talking about partnering um, with those in the civil justice fields or but partnering with those in the financial field, how to build these um, high impact coalitions so that we can collaborate to actually address this um, as a community approach and not just something medicine is trying to tackle on its own. You know, and I think this is music to my ears and 
you know, I, I bring it back to our, our kitchen table conversations in the community. And I'll say yesterday we had a big gathering, a big birthday party for my daughter here. And the, the conversation shifted to diabetes and, and different comorbidities. And there was a patient, I would say, I'm not, I'm going to use patient in, the, in this space that was sitting at the table and we were talking about controlling diabetes and medication and the conversations that she's had with her, with her physician. And then when we got down to the root of it, because she was like, oh, my blood sugars are uncontrolled and, you know, just having general, just conversations at the table. And it got down to food insecurity, right? Mm-hmm. And so when she started talking about the difference for her diet and some things are more expensive than others and the things that she Mm -hmm. could afford that she's eating. And I said, well, have you had this conversation with your doctor? And she said, yeah, we kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, I said, well, did they give you, because I'm putting my health equity hat on. I said, well, did you (laughs) receive any resources? And she was like, well, no, I didn't receive resources. You know, they didn't really tell me and, and then go back to the language, too, when she looked at me and I said, well, did they give you any help? Was there any help that they told you where to go? And she was like, no, because they really didn't know. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I thought about that conversation because I knew we were going to, you know, take this podcast together. And I said, you know, I know many, many physicians in this space and they want to help their patients. They want to empower their patients. But if they don't have the tools, right, to Correct. really you know how to engage the patients. And then, yes, once we engage them, where am I going to send them for help? You know, exactly. so they won't touch it if they don't have, you know, that next step to go to. So, you know, I think you guys are doing a wonderful, wonderful job and making this a priority. You know, I, I think it's something that, you know, gives great kudos to you and your organization. So I am really, 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 really happy. So another thing is, okay, so the Everyone Project, where can they find it? And is it available to anyone to use? Yes. So um, we have a website. Well, it's a link. So www.aafp.org forward slash everyone. And from there, you can read all about our focus areas. Uh, You can find stories about physicians who are engaging with their patients um, around the same topics you just described. And then you can find what we uh, have assimilated for uh, our toolkit. So we have a toolkit specifically around social determinants of health, which involves how to implement a social determinants of health screening protocol in your practice um, that involves every member of the practice team from the person that they greet uh, when they first walk in until they're scheduling their follow-up appointment and everyone in between. And how to actually, what, what are the things you should be looking for in the patient encounter? Um, it asks questions about food insecurity, housing insecurity, safety. So you can begin to collect this information about your patient even before their first visit. Uh, and something we're really excited about is our neighborhood navigator tool. So for either, uh, if they're in the doctor's appointment and they're speaking with somebody about not having access um, to the right foods and vegetables to be able to, say, maintain uh, their diet, the physician can show them this neighborhood navigator tool that they can actually access afterwards where they can put in their zip code and they can search for any number of topics around food, housing, um, employment, 
and it will provide them with a list of resources that are within that zip code they provided, as well as information on how to access those resources. So we're really excited to be able to offer this, not just to our membership, um, not just to healthcare professionals in general, but there's resources we also want to make available to the public to get them actively engaged in these conversations when they're going into the doctor's appointment. Oh, and and I, I remember, you know, at the session when you were explaining this to the audience about the tool, and we actually pulled out our phones and we did this right then and there in the session with our zip codes. And I'm sitting there like, this is, you know, everybody, and I'll say most people, not everybody, but most people have a smartphone, Mm -hmm. iPad, or some type of tool that they bring with them, right, to the doctor's office. And how handy is this to just pop my zip code in and say, you know what, and they came up with all of the resources in my zip code. And I was just like, this is really, really not only accessible, but convenient. For both, not exactly. the patient, but the provider. And so, Danielle, I'd like to, you know, ask you, the providers that have become engaged in, in this project, have you received some feedback from them? You know, how are they liking it? Yes. So one of the very first things before we started this work, um, we surveyed our membership to just ask them, um, is this a priority for you and your organization where you practice? And if so, what's your approach to it? And uh, we really found responses that were across the board where we had some physicians that were highly engaged in this work and they were looking for things that were specific that they could use in practice. And so when we started providing these resources, they engaged with them immediately and were talking about how to integrate it into their electronic health records, um, how to get their practice team members involved and who's going to do the screening. So we had some that were ready to jump on this immediately. Um, But the majority of our uh, members, what we found, uh, were somewhere where they were familiar with the social determinants of health um, and some of the things that had maybe come up and been talking to patients, but they really just didn't know how to get started um, in their practice uh, with incorporating these resources. So when we put out our practice guide, um, to walk them through an implementation plan, uh, the response was overwhelming. They were thankful to have something um, that could guide them into this process and then also expand um, the clinic out into the community for these community clinic linkages. Um, so the response has been very um, broad and welcoming, and they're looking for to even go beyond um, much of the what they're able to do in the practice, and then again get into this piece like how do they change policies um, to be able to improve the lives of the communities that they're serving? Yeah, and you know what better way to it's it's all about teamwork, right? And meeting the patients and providers where they are. You know, and we we often think about and, and we think about this space and health as we talk about meeting them where they are, meeting them where they are. This is a simple tool that is meeting everybody where they are. I mean, I'm thinking about my physician friends. They can use this. They can sit in their offices with their with their patients and say, you know what? I don't have to be an expert on everything. But this is something that you can use to get those resources and going out into the community. It's just, you know, I, I use this saying, it sounds very cliche. Teamwork makes the dream work. But I am a firm, firm believer in that. 
So, Danielle, you know, one more thing before, you know, I enjoyed this conversation. I'm excited to see what's next. Um, but if for our listeners, if there's other organizations, providers, patients that are listening, what advice would you give them to make diversity a priority and how? Well, I would really start by seeing what's available on our website. Um, we had put out um, some tools around uh, health literacy, health literacy uh, unconscious bias, um, and we're kind of now expanding deeper into mm-hmm. those concepts. So um, we'll have a new unconscious bias training guide that will come out later this year. And we've also written some new policies um, around unconscious bias and some other diversity and inclusion topics that we're hoping to provide continuing medical education around. Um, But I would say sometimes people can get a little overwhelmed when they first enter this space of diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, And I always tell folks, you know, you don't have to boil the ocean. You can start small. Um, Start by, you know, bringing in a speaker for maybe a training session. Or start by convening a committee uh, in your practice, or if you're an educator, start by convening it uh, in the um, medical school where you're providing training. And think about what is our approach? How do we want to embrace a thoughtful and meaningful and impactful uh, plan on how we embrace diversity inclusion? And I think once you start having those conversations and bringing those unique voices to the table, um, some of those obstacles can perhaps also be identified and the solutions. Um, but really, it just takes a commitment to um, doing this in small increments over the long term. It's not something you can do uh, a one and done. We hosted our annual training and that's it. It really has to be an embrace as part of the culture of your organization. Yeah, and I think that it goes to the commitment, too. And and also, I would add to that is I know it can be scary. Like, it's, it's as a patient perspective, I think having those hard conversations, it can be a little scary. But you just got to start. Start somewhere. And Danielle gave you guys some really great tips to get started. I would definitely embrace your patient population and, and bring them into this work. And, again, I'm, I'm going back to my teamwork makes the dream work. And so, you know, I'm just really happy to have you here today, Danielle. You've been a wonderful guest. And our listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. And until next time, guys, thanks for tuning in. This has been Desiree Bradley at Patient Partner Innovation Community. And as always, be engaged. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com.